0: Look at the cover of your outline. In this day and hour, we need a passion for truth and holding fast to what our, is our rightful place. I want to talk to you just a little bit about maintaining passion in Exodus. How do you maintain your passion while going through an Exodus? And you uh, need to understand, passion is more than just emotion. Amen. It is a driving and preserving force in our lives. Without passion in our lives, we can be blown off course by the winds of our culture and miss the destiny that was rightfully ours to possess. Passion is a key element in an exodus season. It's too easy to lay it all on God and not engage with the proper zeal needed to possess the promise. Father, I thank you that in these next few moments, Lord, you're going to speak to our hearts. You're going to bring clarity to our lives, Father. We want to possess the promise. We believe you're leading us out. We believe you're directing us. So, Father, tonight we thank you for all that you're doing, and we just claim your victory in and through our lives, and we thank you, Holy Spirit, for the zeal and the passion that you stir within us. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen, I'm going to go with this handheld mic and uh, so you guys can use that instead. This one won't squawk and we'll figure out what's going on before Sunday. Hallelujah. Amen. Look inside your outline. and in your Bible's there in Hebrews chapter 12, I ask you to turn there and uh, I want to read five keys to renew your passion. Many times we don't think about renewing passion or keeping things stirred up, but one of the easiest things to do, it doesn't matter whether it is your walk with God, it doesn't matter whether it's on your job. A lot of people just get bored with work. They get up, they have no passion about it. When they first got that job, it was the best job in the world. They were all excited. They were telling everybody about it. Now that they've been there a few years, oh, i got to go to work today. And so you lose your passion. You lose your zeal for your job. You lose it for going to church. Well, I'm going to church. And, and that's really how church attendance goes down. There used to be a zeal for the house of God. And I'm going to be in God's house. I want to be there. I want to hear the word of God preached. I believe God's going to speak something into my life. I need to hear the word. But if you lose that passion, then things just become common. And when, once something becomes common in your life, whether it's your job, you you begin to get dissatisfied with it. Even in a marriage, it doesn't matter what it is. If you lose your passion for that relationship, for that job, for, for, for your walk with God, then it can be replaced with something else. It just becomes common, and something else can replace it. It doesn't hold that place uh, of value that it used to hold in our lives. So we have to keep passion stirred up within us. So five keys to renew your passion from Hebrews chapter 12. If you're there, we're going to begin in verse 12. And It says, therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. Pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no one will see God. How many know that to pursue something means to go after it? you just need not You can live peace with people, just by acting. It has to be pursued. And then watch this, verse 15. Looking diligently. I mean, no diligence takes effort. Looking diligently, lest anyone fall short of... Of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears you know as, as i was just reading that the spirit of god just quick me you know there, jesus told the parable of the ten virgins and there were five wives and there were five five foolish. five were kept their wicks trimmed they were ready their lantern filled they were ready they were diligent in their preparation and in their expectation amen but, but then the other, you know, whatever, they were there, but they weren't that diligent. They, they had an element of purity about their life. They were virgin, but their wicks weren't trimmed. There was no oil in there. And, and, and their expectation had waned a little bit. How many know what I'm saying? And so that's that difference. So uh, Paul's right in here. I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. That's my interpretation. You believe anybody else wrote it that you want. Amen. That it says that 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 afterward, you know, we just have to keep that desire moving forward. Look at verse eighteen, because this says, "For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched." Uh, that that may be touching, that burned with fire, and to blackness and darkness and tempest. Uh, Let me just back up just for a moment. The reason I said that about the ten virgins, because it says here that Esau, though later he sought repentance with tears, it says that the virgins, there, they were there, and they're going, oh, let us in, let us in. And yet they missed that opportunity. a lot of people don't like to hear about that. But when I go back and I read verse 15, it says, look diligently less. If there's a warning in the Bible for us today to be sober, to be vigilant, to be diligent, then that means we need to pay attention to those. Amen? And especially in the Exodus season, because what I said earlier, it's easy for people. Man, God's doing it. God's moving. God's going to bring it to pass. Yes, but there has to be an involvement on our part. There has to be a diligence. There has to be a passion, and there has to be proper participation. Amen. So l- l- let's go on. And just read here because c- I like what the rest of this said. We're going to read down through. Um, Uh, A few more verses here. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched, and that burned with fire, and to blackness and to darkness, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of word, so that those who heard begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned, or thrust through with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight. That Moses said, I'm exceedingly afraid and trembling. But look at verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to to, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men, made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better thing than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shall shake not only the earth, but heaven." also know this yet once more indicates the removal of things that are being shaken as of things that are made that and that the things which cannot be shaken might remain therefore since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear Amen I know that's a lot of scripture, but there's something in there about having passion and having a right attitude and pursuing God. Because we're after the promise. Amen? And so look at your outline there and just five areas that that are keys that came from this reading that we can just take and build upon. Number one, chapter 12, verse 12 says, you must be spiritually strengthened. It takes more than natural strength to live with true passion." It takes more than, you're going to have to do more than go to the Lord's gym. You're going to have to do more than exercise and workout. It takes spiritual strength to live with passion. Verse 12, uh, chapter 12 and verse 13, you must keep things straight in your life. Look at verse 13, make straight path for your feet. Cole was talking about it in the offering in that, that God gives us a straight path for our life. And, and, and so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. So set things straight, set things in order. Verse 14, pursue peace with all people. Amen. That, 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 that takes some effort to do that. Verse 14, pursue holiness. Amen. We live in such a compromising society today. I, I, I was reading through a note I have. We, we live in the day when, every, when, when, everybody's, uh, when everything is acceptable and nobody is right. If you declare this is the truth, it's a crazy day we live in. Amen. But you have to pursue holiness. Go after the purity of God. I didn't read it, but verse 29 says, Our God is a consuming fire. Amen. And so there's that area that if Jesus shed the blood for us to live pure, we need to make sure we're pursuing that. And then chapter 12, verse 15, he says, We must look diligently, carefully to avoid distraction. Don't allow yourself to become distracted. Look what it said. Look diligently, lest anyone fall short of the grace. And so things get in there, things distract us, and it takes some diligence to stay on course. Would you agree this evening? Now, watch it. So, in order to preserve and protect your passion in Exodus, you'll have to be preventative. What does that mean? Both defensive and offense. You have to be on the defense, but you also have to be on the offense. Amen? Stir that up in your life. And then be preemptive. What does that mean? It means anticipatory. Moving to block the strategy of the enemy. Don't wait until the devil attacks before you react. Amen. Be defensive, but also be offensive. Moving to block his strategy. And then be prophetic. Being able to foresee and predict what lies ahead. Or another, have, have that visionary aspect to your life in order to maintain in this season. Have that prophetic, pray in the Spirit. See, Paul said that, that when we pray in the Spirit, then also pray that you may interpret. So when you're praying in the Spirit, then ask God for the interpretation of what you're praying. I heard Oral Roberts say this about ORU. He says, I built everything you see here by praying in the Spirit. It, 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 all the direction I got was through praying in the Spirit, and then the Lord giving me the interpretation and the wisdom on how to go about it and how to do it. Amen? So, so be prophetic in your life in, in, in that respect. God, the Holy Spirit is here in that way in our life. And then be proactive. What does that mean? Taking the initiative rather than reacting to events. Take the initiative. Don't just be a reactionary, be an instigator. Being practical, hands-on, and down to business-like with a positive and upbeat perspective. Come on, we're moving forward, we're going to possess, amen? And so there's going to be adversaries in the way, there's going to be resistance in the way, but bless God, God's going to give us the wisdom, we'll overcome, amen? And so you have that right attitude, but you're moving forward, you're proactive. See, in this day, we can't afford the luxury of being caught off guard. What does that mean? It means you cannot afford to leave the reins of your destiny in someone else's hands. Don't leave the reins of your destiny in somebody else's hand. Be engaged. So I want to grab a couple lessons from Esau and apply them to this that we can learn by. Take your Bibles and go back to Genesis chapter 25. And I'm just going to go through this quickly, and then we're going to pray. Because we got some exciting things happening. I can't wait to tell you what's going on. Praise the Lord. And uh, and then I need you to pray for me for uh, a meeting that I have on Thursday morning. Um, But God's doing some cool stuff. Genesis chapter 25. And I want you to go with me beginning at verse 19. And says here, this is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as his wife, the daughter of Bethuel the Assyrian, a Pan, Dan, Aram, the sister of Laban the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she says, if all is well, why am I this way? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two people shall shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So before they're born, God makes a declaration. Amen? Now watch this. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed they were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, and he was like a hairy garment all over. That'd be weird to be born with hair on your back, wouldn't it? Amen. I'd say, you can put that back. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Now what? And they called his name Esau. Literally means hairy. Esau just means hairy. All right. So, nobody should ever name your kid Harry. Amen? All right. Now, verse 26. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, so that his name was called Jacob. Now, Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So the boys grew together, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tent. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. You need to underline that in your Bible. Look what he said. He said, Yeah, I'll give you some food, but only for a price. That's pretty rough when you come in and your brother won't even give you a meal. He sells it to you. And he wants to sell it for your birthright. And Issa said, Look, I'm about to die. So, what profit shall this birthright be? How many of you ever have a kid say, I'm starving? Amen. But, but see, we just, how many know we over exaggerate? And, and we want to learn something here that we exaggerate the wrong things. And I'm just talking about how, how, how to keep your passion, how to keep your focus, right? And we want to learn from Esau's mistake. We want to follow this example. Never over exaggerate the situation. And so look at what he did. Then Jacob said, Swear to me of this day, as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank and arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So actually later, though... Uh, uh, Rebekah and Jacob got together and they tricked Isaac into blessing him. It was already his birthright. Actually, he could have got into his father and said, Father, I want the birthright. Esau sold it to me. It is mine. He gave it up. And so I have a right to it. But through that all, so when you're going back, Esau got upset because he lost it. But as we read in Hebrews, even when he wanted to regain it again with tears, he had already sold it and he couldn't get it back. Are you with me? So, what do we see here? Look at your outline. Esau profaned his birthright. It means to treat something sacred with disrespect. He did not waste, he did not value his birthright or his heritage, which were the things of highest value in his life. It says he literally despised his birthright. See, in order to conquer the spirit of Esau, you must understand that God's design for you is something greater than what you are experiencing right now. Esau said, you know what, I'm starving. The birthright isn't going to do me any good. And so he, he just didn't understand where he was wasn't the fullness of his pr- purpose. Amen? And we need to keep that in mind as well. Think about it. The devil is a seducer. He uses his deception and seduces you to believe in a lie. In our world today, we are not under the attack of terrorism, AIDS, poverty, hunger, or anything else. Our world is under the attack of deception. Deception is the root cause of all of our problems. Think about it. The devil will cause you to lose sight of your weakness. He will use a spirit of pride and a false sense of security to get you to profane your birthright. The spirit of Esau causes you to lose sight of your spiritual heritage and destiny. He leaves you. The devil leaves you with an excuse in exchange for your birthright and destiny. Well, I was hungry. It didn't mean anything. I didn't understand it. So you come up with an excuse. Look at this next statement that the Lord gave me. Excuses are the alibis that give the lies of authority. That, that, that gives lies. That gives the lies. I didn't write it out right. <laughs> are the alibis that gives lies the authority to operate in your life. Get it again. Excuses are the alibis that give lies the authority to operate in your life. Do you get that? When I'm making an excuse. The, what, what one person said, I think I, I remember who I heard say it first. But he says, there are lots of reasons, but there are no excuses. How many of you have heard that before? And so with that, but every time I'm giving an excuse, I'm just giving a lie the authority to operate in my life. So what's at stake? And I don't want to take time to read this, but you can go back and you can read in in, uh, Genesis 48 and 49... Where Jacob then is blessing his children in Egypt before he dies, and he's calling his sons and his daughter, and Joseph, Ephraim, and Manasseh come in, and 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 uh, Jacob lays his hands on the younger. Joseph's trying to guide his hand, and Jacob lays his hands on the younger. Said, No, no, no. The birthright, the firstborn, goes to the older, not to the younger. And, that, and so that area of the birthright and the blessing and, and that has always been in there. We don't understand that in our culture. The firstborn was the continuation of the line of authority to preserve the family name. The one who would cover, protect, and provide. The one who would receive a double portion of the inheritance. The one that received the mantle of government or leadership for the family. And the one that assured the preservation of your children. Now, see, we don't understand this much in our culture, especially in Western culture. It's more of every child for themselves and the dismantling of the family unit. But, come on, we can do better than that. Amen? So what about spiritually for us today? How does this apply? It is important for us that you understand the touch of God upon your life. See, we, we, we become, we're grafted in. Jesus is the firstborn. We read it that, that, that we are here, that we have come. Let me find it back. Well, back, back in Hebrew that we have come to the church of the firstborn, and you're in Christ. You're the firstborn of God. Amen. And then when we do that, we create that lineage and that spiritual heritage to our children. So the touch of God is upon your life. The potential for heavenly authority is upon your life or that mantle and your legacy, your spiritual heritage is also at stake in all of this. So think about it. God brings us out in an exodus to enlarge us and to give us a land of increase to our children. To establish and enlarge His people in His promise. But it takes passion to maintain that. And you have to fight all this out. I just want to encourage you as you're going through. And and, and Pastor Doe did a great job. Pastor Paul, he preached on the process in that first service. He was here two weeks ago. The process while you're in Exodus and going through. And I want to keep encouraging you just as we're heading into this new year. God has an Exodus for our life, but you're going to have to maintain your passion. You're going to have to maintain your zeal. People get excited at the beginning. And uh, in fact, I, I thought it was interesting. They said something today concerning the new president that it's so important that in the first hundred days that that they really get their agenda through and really get things motivated and really within the first year because the time they get into the second year they're already campaigning for the mid the midterm election. And so you have to accomplish so much going in. And what I'm saying is so important that as you're starting this year, that you keep your press going. God has this exodus for you. You have to pursue, and you have to take those points that I gave you on being preemptive and being proactive and moving ahead and and, and being prophetic in those areas of your life. Amen? And watch what God will do. See, the three errors of Esau were this. He had an undisciplined appetite. He became reckless in his heart and paved an open road for the devil. It's so important that we learn how to discipline our appetites on every level. Secondly, he held a low evaluation of God's blessing. See, the firstborn blessing was declared by God, not by man. God declared that. That the firstborn would carry that anointing and that blessing. And for you and for me, the blessings that God has declared over our life never diminish God's blessing. Never have a low evaluation of the blessings of God. Thirdly, He made a hasty decision without a proper perspective. He said, I'm starving. What good is a birthright? It won't buy me any soup. It's nothing to me. Amen. It doesn't even come into effect until Dad dies. Amen. And who knows when he's going to die? I could starve before he dies. I mean, it just—it just that that logic just keeps going. People drag that out, but he didn't. He had a wrong perspective, an outlook on the outcome and consequences of his choices. So careful that we make right choices. Amen. With a proper perspective. See, look at he was not willing to take the time to consider what was at stake. Take the time in your decision. Don't be rash. Take time to make your decisions. Exodus does mean does not mean I left my nada. Does not mean moving forward without wisdom. Amen. Exodus does not mean moving forward without wisdom. So even when God's showing to you and say, wait a minute, we need to wait on the Lord, we need to pray, we need to make sure. The Bible says in the multitude of counsels, amen, there's wisdom there. Always make sure you're getting counsel. I I ask a lot of people this. You know, a a lot of people come to church and listen to sermons, but that doesn't mean you let anybody speak into your life. Listening is not always an open door of allowing authority to speak into your life. The question is, who has access to speak into your life? Who do you trust to speak into your life? Where do you get your counsel from? Well, I counsel myself. Okay. Okay. I just listen to a lot of voices. I listen to a lot of preachers. I listen to a lot of different sermons, and then I make up my own decision out of all the sermons that I hear. That's not being accountable and having. There's many times. Here's what happened. This is what counseling does or having. What you want is you want to listen to people that you can trust, and you want them to see things. What counseling does or outside input does. People, all everybody that you know, or when you have a circle of confidants in that area, they see things from a different perspective than you do. Amen. And then after you hear those other perspectives, then you can make a more complete judgment. Are you with me? So, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you see? What is that? And they don't—they're not telling you what to do, but you need to hear things from another perspective. Amen. And then it, it, get, get it. That's why I said, in the multitude of counsel, there's wisdom. My pastor used to tell me this Brotherhood say, and I go, Brotherhood, this is a situation. This is what I've been praying. I don't really feel like this is what God wants me to do. And, and a lot of times he go, Well, son, you could do that. Go ahead. You could do that. But since you asked my opinion, this is what I say. And, and then I learned almost every time I would defer to his opinion based on his experience, especially if it was spiritual matters in the church and decisions I was making concerning the church and leadership and stuff. I would just defer to that, just out of respect for his wisdom. Are you listening to me? And so, but learning to do that, and I have so many others that I talk to and ask about things. It is important. Are you listening to me? It's important that you get, Exodus does not mean moving forward without wisdom. Now get this as I close. Tricia, I want you to come back to the keyboard if you would. The only way to have a big enough no to defeat the lie of deception, the lie and deception of the devil, is to have a big enough yes to the things of God in your life. Make your yes really big. And this is what I want to encourage you guys to do. You guys are faithful, you're the midweek crowd, you're the faithful crap. But I want you to begin praying for somebody else. I want you to begin praying for people in our church. I I really am. In this day and this day, there's a lot of people who think, man, everything's going to be great because we got a new president. Everything, think, man, it's going to be great because everybody prayed in the name of Jesus on the inauguration. It's going to take more than a couple prayers in the name of Jesus to fix our nation. Amen? And, and, and if you're watching right now, what you're seeing, it's, it's like the demons manifesting before they go out of a body. In the Old Testament, they command, come out, and then just before they go out, they throw the person on the ground and pitch a fit. And we're seeing a lot of demonic manifestation, I mean real demonic manifestation right now in area. And so there, 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 there can be victory, but there also can be a time of warfare at the same time. Are you listening to me? And so you need to be praying for people because people too easily, they, 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 they press a little bit and then they just let go. But this isn't a time to let go. This is the time to maintain your passion. Amen? And keep your perseverance up. Praise the Lord.